welcome to the Scarehouse Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Dutters, with Scott Simmons. You had to think about it. I had to think yeah, who you, you were. You weren't sure. I didn't know if I should give you a snazzy intro. <laughs> you and just did. It was very snazzy. <laughs> we're not out of practice at all. <laughs> no, this is awful. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but, but it's real. Yes. This is us, sadly. Is us. <laughs> Let's fight. Anyway, okay, go ahead. Uh, so, welcome to Scarehouse Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please... Leave us some reviews and uh, share us with your friends and subscribe so then you can hear us every time we do something ridiculous like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and today we're with Mr. Jordan Patton. What's up, guys? And you may know Jordan from Deadnecks and from a certain TV show. Sci-Fi Channel's original series, Face Off. How many Face Off shows have you been on now? Um, all together, I think there was... I got eliminated on episode 12 of my first season, and we just made it through seven, episode seven of the new season, so 19 altogether so far. Wow. <laughs> so that's like 19 whole creatures on TV. Wow. That's cool to think about. <laughs> yeah. Wild. Have you gotten used to being on TV yet? Um, I, you get used to it after, uh, after you're filming and everything, like the cameras out there kind of disappear and everything, so like talking to your phone right here is, is I'm still getting used to that again because that was two years ago and I just kind of locked myself in here yeah. but uh yeah so human interaction is uh, at a minimal right now but I should say we are at Jordan's house <laughs> which looks very much like a dead next set dead next set and there are so many cool masks around and <clears throat> it, this is as cool as I thought it would be right on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm just trying to make the apartment into essentially a cartoon and we'll see if i lose my mind once it is an entire cartoon or not since i don't ever leave but we'll we'll cross that path when we get there well for so many things to talk about but let's talk about it in a non-linear fashion because that's fun (laughs) with um with face off and i know some of it you can't reveal because the sci-fi lawyers will come kicking Mm -hmm. down the door right but just what's the process like because i know in talking to you before i think a lot of people don't realize just how cut off from the world you are while you're shooting that oh, show. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Like, you get there and your phone is, is instantly taken away so you don't have any access to internet or, or texting or anything so you can't find, like, reference material online and everything. So it's pretty much you just got to come up with everything, like, right out of your head or build a library of reference in your head before you get there. Uh, so you get there, your phone's taken away, but it's really cool because you're, you're hanging out at a house with a bunch of other people that love doing the same stuff that you do, so... It's kind of like going away to special effects summer camp. <laughs> and how, I mean, how long, well, I mean, I guess it varies based on if and when you get eliminated, but as a ballpark, like how much of a, how much time does it take when you're shooting that show? Usually per season, I think it's around a two month filming uh, wow. time. Yeah. So for two months, you're locked up in a, in a house with a bunch of people and uh, you get a little bit stir crazy here and there, but uh, you get through it. Yeah. Well, and that's, that would be tricky, I would think, as, you know, you and a lot of the other people on that show, you're all makeup artists, freelance artists. How do you, and I know Face Off tends to be a little squirrely about announcing who's on the show. Mm-hmm. Like, so how do you handle that? Just Because basically you're dropping off the face for two months. You oh, have yeah. like a message of like, I can't, I'm working on a project. Or You, you usually des- dedicate your... Uh, uh, 
social media account to like your best friend or something to take care of while you're gone so it doesn't seem like you've completely disappeared so i had to leave like a a number of images with my buddy so that he could post things up for me while i was gone so were you like in a winter hat at one point or like like, i'm on the beach right here i am in the same exact pose with like a green screen in the background i'm picturing with just like i'm on the beach i'm on a ferris wheel just super fake backgrounds yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh that would be amazing now i'm thinking about now I'm just thinking about my own sake. Like if I could stage not being on social media for a couple of months, uh, could I just in advance like different outfits, different hats, just different reactions? Like I did not see that coming. Just, uh, <laughs> photo shoot all in one day and have your month's <laughs> worth of posts. <laughs> when so working at Scarehouse and we've been dealing with creatives at all various levels, mm-hmm. personalities are sometimes a little bit rough <laughs> is there like an adjustment period where you kind of all get used to each other <laughs> for this last season we all got used to each other pretty uh easily just mm-hmm. because we were all returning artists so even if we hadn't met each other we kind of felt like we knew each other from mm-hmm. like watching everyone on the show and everything so i'd say like within like the first two days like we all got pretty comfortable with each other mm-hmm. So it was really fun hanging out with everyone. Like, I didn't want to leave once it was all over. Uh-huh. I was like, let's just stay here and not go back to real life with yeah. real life bills and things like yeah. that. <laughs> and how long do you have, like, when you have these challenges, how long do you have from this is what we want you to do till pre- presentation time? Usually around 18 hours to, like, maybe a maximum of, like, 22 hours, mm-hmm. depending on uh, which days they give you, like, 10 hours or which days they give you 8 hours. Um, so usually about 18 to 22 hours, very, very short amount of time. <laughs> and in normal world, if you were creating a character, how long does it take you to create a character? Like uh, sculpts and Several months, yeah. because if you're going to do like a full bodied character like that with like application and everything, especially with like the, uh, the process of trying to come up with the character and everything and like troubleshooting back and forth with different ideas you got for it. So yeah versus like in the real world where you've got several months to do it and like plan things accordingly now you've crammed that all into like 18 hours so and you only get half an hour to do your drawing concept before the actual clock starts and it's time to go wow all right well hope this is a good idea (laughs) (laughs) now and you're a relatively private person and now you've had two instances of this show like how has that been for you? Like, are you getting recognized, you know, when you go to conventions or even just here in Pittsburgh, mm. are you suddenly, and I, I guess I'm equating this for me because I get this too, like nobody really knows who I am, but then suddenly around October, suddenly, oh, you're that guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, how has that been for you? It's been interesting because I'm kind of by nature sort of shy at first. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you can kind of see it on the show. Like, I'm more quiet than most of them, I think. At least yeah. that's what I've been told. Um so it's it's kind of like brought me out of my shell a little bit to uh to be posted up on a TV screen and yeah. have to deal with like actually talking to groups of people and everything. So it's kind of it's made me more uh, more social. That's for sure. Yeah, mm. I'm picturing you have to go out sometime and ask them to put it on the television and just sit there and see people yeah. go like, wait yeah. a minute, is that? <laughs> I remember back when my first season was going on, I was at Target and I was messing with one of their like iPads or whatever. And I just went and took it to sci-fi.com and like put my profile up. I was like, I saw this guy in the store. <laughs> <laughs> He's walking around here somewhere. <laughs> so it, it's always fun to mess around with things like that. 
I, I have been known to go to the Apple store at Ross Park Mall and just go and type in scarehouse.com yeah. and watch the next one, scarehouse. Like, just uh-huh. kind of just go and see. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> Free promotion. Yeah, it's marketing. Very casual. So, now jumping back, let's go back to the beginning, Jordan. How did all of this uh, start for you, effects, monsters, all of it? So, what really started off for me was uh, I got a, or one of my buddies handed me a flyer um, for a mask making competition for the Art Institute. And I saw that and was like, oh, that's cool. Like, maybe I'll give that a try. And uh, maybe I could win that scholarship and then go to school and learn some more of this stuff. So I did, I ended up working on that mask for a few months in my senior year uh, of high school, entered that into the competition, and uh, Scott was actually one of the, the judges for that competition, and he uh, he gave me first first place, so I got a, a <laughs> nice scholarship to the Art Institute, and he gave me a job to the Scarehouse, <laughs> so it was a double win for that one. So uh, after I moved up here to Pittsburgh, or actually even before I moved up here to Pittsburgh, I came up to the Scarehouse for a... Uh, a seminar with the Wolf Brothers, was it? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so I came about up here. The timeline. Yeah. It was kind of like a trial period to like get used to everything and then see how the the haunt industry was and and check out the scare house and everything. So that was really cool, and that was like at the very beginning of like the special effects career and everything. Because uh, before that, I had made like one or two masks and then moved up here and just started to to really like hit on all the different things, especially with like working at the scare house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott let me come in and actually help out with building some of the sets and things mm-hmm. uh, back when it was, uh, I think it was Rampage. Yeah, Rampage, yeah. all the steampunk stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun to like get a kit bash rooms together and like make cool steampunk uh, uh, fixtures and things like that. Awesome. And then, uh, yeah, and then uh, just kept going to the Art Institute. Uh, things started to get a little bit more busy for me as I was getting closer to graduation. Uh, I did some work for a few different bands here and there, uh, made some masks. And then ended up getting a job at Tech Shop, uh, proceeded to do a lot more of my own uh, type of work and started to develop more of a type of style, like what you kind of see here with a lot of the cartoony stuff. So I just started to want to have more and more fun with it instead of like look at it like a job. And mm-hmm. so the cartoony stuff kind of started off as a uh, more or less just something to have fun with. And then it started to, I got more and more into it and then more people started getting into it, which was great for me because then it meant that I could do more and more of it. So it just kind of snowballed and kind of kept expanding from there. Well, it, go, going back to how you started, so like the, you, you see the flyer for the mask making um, competition, but like growing up, were you into like monsters and oh, Halloween yeah. or was that just... Yeah. yeah, so the entire time I was growing up, it was always horror movies, sci-fi channel, um, masks and things like that. Uh, just every time Halloween would come around, I would ask my mom to like go to all the different stores so I could see every single mask that was there and just see all the different creatures, characters and things like that. And I I remember having a giant, I think it was a a vacuum box and that just was filled with latex masks and things like that. I mean, looking at it now, I would never store them like that, but (laughs) it's blasphemy. (laughs) Throw them all in a box. But yeah, I had a massive box of Halloween masks that I would pull out constantly like throughout the entire year. And any time that Halloween would even get remotely close, like within three months of Halloween, I would start decorating my room with all these Halloween decorations oh, cool. and everything, and just like leave it up until like Christmas time. My mom would be like, "You know, it's not Halloween anymore, yeah. right?" <laughs> like, you know, I love it. Uh, so yeah, uh, growing up, always loved the horror movies. Always loved Halloween. Was 
pretty much obsessed with it and it kind of blows my mind that I didn't figure out about this kind of career path until like my senior year of high school yeah considering that was what I was so obsessed with like growing up so I felt kind of stupid that it took me that long to figure yeah. it out <laughs> yeah well, I don't even that's not even something you think is a job no do you no. know what I mean like, like when you're younger you would never be like oh people make these yeah, like you yeah. just like I, there's not the thought process watching like, it you're like oh yeah those creatures exist <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> wait wait people make <laughs> and I was gonna say how did you how did you teach yourself to make the masks and go through that process I had a friend uh, online that uh, made masks and he kind of gave me oh, like cool. a, a quick step-by-step on how to do it and kind of explained and sent me a few pictures on how to like build your mold walls and stuff like that. Wow. So I gave it a try and uh, was lucky enough to succeed in that on my first try. And I remember pulling the latex mask out of the mold. And I think that is the point in time whenever I was like, all right, I'm 100% hooked. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is the coolest thing yeah. I've ever seen. Like, I've held masks all my life, but I've never like physically created one. Like, this wow. was in my head and now it's in my hands. And it was just like the coolest feeling. And I knew from that moment on that, like, I couldn't stop doing this stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. Yeah. that's pre-YouTube time. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of times now you could just go on YouTube and mm-hmm. take all, watch all the tutorials and mm-hmm. do things. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, yeah. That was all still fairly new. So it was, uh, it was cool to have a friend that was able to introduce mm-hmm. me into, into doing that. So very thankful for that. <laughs> And it's so, I mean, it's, it's, I, I, we encounter this a lot when we're talking to people who work in making monsters or movies or haunted house. It's that's, if it's that thing you see sometimes in movies where it's like, oh, it's a kid growing up playing with Halloween and one day he'll grow up and you're like, that never happens. Mm-hmm. That never, but it, it absolutely can. And, and I, I love the fact that, cause I, what I see a lot of times when people who want to get into any kind of creative endeavor is they lead with, all the reasons they can't like I wouldn't even begin to know how to do XYZ but mm-hmm. then when you really think about um, like some of the early pioneers like your Dick Smith and Rick Baker and Rob mm-hmm. Bertine, like it's not like they knew how to do that stuff right either you yeah, just sort of go in and you figure it out yeah, and doing stuff with latex and oatmeal like yeah whatever you can to make it work like there's back then there wasn't any like right or wrong way to do it. it's like how can I make something look this certain way it's like well I can take this over here that over there and combine them together and yeah. make this cool cool thing like some some cotton and some latex and I, I just saw a post that Rick Baker posted up not too long ago he he remade another thing out of just cotton and latex oh. it was like a facial appliance and I was like that looks like he sculpted yeah. that and molded yes. it. Like, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's definitely still running pretty pretty heavy with it. So, he's definitely one of the best. Always oh, will be. Always yeah. has been. <laughs> yeah. I So, Jordan and I actually bumped into each other at Monster Palooza <laughs> this year. Yeah, that was wild. All the way, like, all the way out in Pasadena, California. <laughs> I'd been on – I'd never been to that show before. I'm on the show floor for at best 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, and there's Jordan. Like, <laughs> like, there's I was like, hey. hey. I haven't seen you in like nine months because right. you live 20 minutes from me. But here yeah, in Pasadena. Yeah, right. But um, now I kept, it became, I became an inadvertent Rick Baker stalker. <laughs> I never actually talked to him, but I just kept bumping into him and like just having these awkward interactions of creepy eye contact mm. and then holding on to be too long where I didn't miss a chance to talk to him. Yeah. So it became <laughs> this thing. But um, but speaking of Monster Palooza, what has that been because I know uh, earlier we were looking at some of your masks in the other room and you have masks from other artists and other collectors. Like, mm-hmm. 
What has that been like for you to become part of this larger community and talk to other mask makers and effects artists? I think the coolest part for me is to now be associated with and be friends with a lot of the people that inspired me whenever I first got into this, um, like Casey Love and Justin Mabry and Jordy Shell and all them. Like, it's just cool to be able to like talk with them and like get constant feedback online, like comment on each other's stuff and like see each other in passing at these conventions, yeah. just kind of hang out. So it's it's kind of surreal to. Uh, be inspired by them when you first start off and then now you're side by side with them at these conventions and, and you're producing work alongside them so yeah it's it's kind of very surreal to to look back and then to see where it is now and a lot of them from I mean I'm not an effects artist but from hanging out with them uh, during Monster Blues I, w- I was pleasantly surprised at just how down to earth oh yeah they were I mean you know like, like any industry you have a you have a couple who are a little grandiose but mm. They just all seem, and maybe because it's the vibe at that show, but they mm. all just seem like they were just hanging out, I think, swapping stories. Yeah, I think the best part is just because we're all a bunch of nerds. Yeah. Like, we all love the same stuff, so it's so easy to get along with each other and so easy to converse back and forth about all the different things that uh, that fascinate us about this this hobby, this industry, yeah. everything like that. Now, you've taken really it sounds like you've sort of taken a little bit of everything you've learned by kit bashing at Scarehouse and creating sets and self-teaching yourself self-teaching yourself <laughs> professional uh, mask making and working a tech shop All it all seems to have led to dead necks yeah. so explain what that is and just the level of detail and everything that's involved in it it is really interesting that you, that you look at it that way because like i've tried to just be like a sponge like anytime i'm in an environment where it's all this stuff like i think with set building i learned most of that at scarehouse and then like getting more of a fabrication background going to tech shop so like all of those things combined together have ultimately led to the dead next world for yeah. me so that's really cool to think about it in that way so yeah, with Deadnex, I've just been trying to kind of use every skill set that I've obtained to create this entire world. So we've got like the large scale sets here, the miniature models, uh, animatronics, puppets, makeups, masks, props, um, a comic. Uh, it's just kind of endless. So I feel like every every little thing that I learn, I try to turn that into something that I can do for the Deadnex world or the Deadnex franchise that I'm trying to create here. So just trying to ever expand the world and ever expand what it is that I'm learning so that uh, I can just keep pushing it further and further and get it out there so that it can hopefully one day be something that's uh, a little more mainstream so that Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it could be a potential show or be a potential comic that could be out there in the public eye, sold at stores or whether it's Mm -hmm. seen on TV. Um, So I just feel like I'm constantly trying to push forward with that and trying to get that out there in the public eye. Well, and, and two things to that, and Dutters and I talk a lot about this on how all these, exactly like what you're talking about, you have all these little moments or these encounters and you don't realize how they're all building towards a thing. Yeah. And then you start doing some, and we have this a lot at Scarehouse where someone new will come in and we go, oh, you haven't had the five or six experiences that all sort of go it, but like uh, Dutters and I will talk about like just our weird like your weird path to Scarehouse on mm-hmm. how it starts with furries and then a zombie video and then yeah. this and the, you know yeah. but then when you look at it retroactively like oh that makes perfect sense how the social media and the marketing yeah. and the on camera stuff all 
matched but like if you if you were trying to create a path to get there like right no that, i guess that's how you do it it's, I like, don't. A, it's like a strange math equation that forms itself yeah, yeah. <laughs> but another thing that i think is part of being a creative like it or not is the hustle mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know we were talking earlier about the social media profiles and the mm-hmm. stickers and the branding like you're putting you can tell you're putting as much thought into that it's not just like oh, i'm going to make this creative thing and someone will discover it you know the calvary will come in right and and name it like you're clearly understanding that okay if i want this to happen i've got to make the stickers i got to make the logo yep. i got to yep and that's the thing like you got to do every aspect of it cuz no one's going to like spoon feed it to you and come pick up your thing like you're saying so I've been trying to do the marketing. I've been trying to do the fabrication, uh, the thought process of all of it. You know how it is. Like yeah. constantly, like your brain is constantly thinking about these things that you're doing because you have to. You got to keep moving forward with it because no one else is gonna do it for you. So yeah, and we have. How can I say this? Um, I think that is scared. We've certainly had like it's been an interesting pattern for Scarehouse for the last five years because. Uh, you know, our brand has grown and awareness mm-hmm. of Scarehouse has grown. And without naming names, over the last several years, we've occasionally had these big entities come mm-hmm. in, like the quote-unquote Calvary. Yeah. Oh, we're going to do this for you. Oh, we're going to hook you up. We're going to do, you know, and um, we start going down a path and then ultimately it doesn't work out mm-hmm. or they're sort of overselling or and it just becomes fr- a frustration for us. Like, you know, if we had just spent time... Yeah. doing this on our own and making our stuff and not getting distracted by mm-hmm. the big shiny thing who's going to come in and do all this stuff for you. And we've actually kind of become, I think we've been putting up more and more um, creatively in marketing. Like we're actually starting to put some fences up in a way yeah. of mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our process has become less meetings, more making stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we'll just, you know, we're we're doing more to reach out directly to our fans. We're, not doing as much in terms of like oh if we do coveting outside approval on some of these things mm-hmm. like we're just kind of this is who we are this is who we want to be this is the stuff we're excited about this is the stuff our fans like we're just going to do this right and like some of these other opportunities come up and we're like oh, okay but whereas before we would sort of drop everything and scramble to try to get mm-hmm. approval mm-hmm. from so and so and so and so now we're just like well if they want to do it, here's how we do it. Take yeah. it or leave it. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing with like the experience of it. Like you, you learn as you go and things like that. But in the end, you just got to stick to your guns because I mean, it's it's your project. It's your yeah. child. Mm-hmm. Like you know what's best for it. And, yeah. Uh, so it it kind of gets back to like you got to put your all into it. Yeah. So it's very interesting to learn those lessons along the way. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I'm sure as more and more interest gets into dead next, you will have those sort of challenges of like some corporate sponsor mm. coming in and being like, could the, could the Dendex have a can of Red Bull in one shot? <laughs> yeah. Or could they do? And, you know, it's it's easy hypothetically sometimes to go, no, we're not going to do that. But mm. then they're like, well, how about for this much money? Right. Or how about for... Yeah. And you start letting them in a bit and then it just mm-hmm. becomes a slippery slope. It's yeah. it's an ongoing thing that sort of battle between art, art and commerce mm-hmm. not to get all heavy but yeah. like you want to have this thing and it's yours but you're also like well, yeah but it does need money to build all the sets and to right. make the things mm-hmm. and the... yeah that's that's something that's been constantly on my mind because I'm like alright you gotta be smart when these kind of things like 
approach you. That way you can't just like this thing you've been working on for five years. Oh, there it's gone. Someone yeah. took yeah. it. <laughs> like, oh. Like, well, well, I'm sad now. <laughs> we got it. We sort of skipped over. We got in the specifics of the process and all the things involved, but I don't think we quite got, as, as Dutter said earlier, the what's the elevator pitch of Deadnecks? What is or what are Deadnecks? Uh, so Deadnecks is essentially like a world of. It, it started off as just a world of zombies. There, there never were human. It's just always been that way. But I think I'm expanding it now to where it's not just zombies. Like there are other essential like creatures or things in the world. Um, just so it, it kind of gives a little more like breath into it and doesn't get so stale. Um, so the way I'm essentially looking at it now is uh, I originally wanted to do full uh, like 30 minute episodes or like 20 minute with commercials and everything. But the way I'm looking at it now with the way things are. Uh, people's attention spans is a little, uh, yeah. a little shorter now, so I'm thinking of doing more like a Looney Tunes style, oh, that's where great. it's like maybe like three to five minute episodes, mm-hmm. and then it moves on to and focuses on two completely different characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but all these characters' stories meet up to where they all you can see that they live yeah. in the same world. Um, <clears throat> so it'll be like different character interactions uh, with each other. So you got like like uh, Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, like there'll be something very akin to that in the yeah. next world. You got like, uh, Tom and Jerry. It's mm-hmm. like all these different things that, uh, are kind of like throwbacks to these things that I grew up with. Um, so it's kind of cool to mesh a lot of that together. And that's essentially what Deadnecks is, is a, a big mesh work of all the things that inspired me growing up with all the cartoons that I watched. I watched a lot of cartoons growing up. <laughs> and a lot of cartoons and a lot of horror movies, and that really translates yeah. into what it is that I'm trying to do here. So I'm taking a lot of the inspiration from that, like Bugs Bunny and things like mm-hmm. that, and kind of putting a a twist on it, but mm-hmm. also not trying to hide the fact that I was inspired by that, but trying to more or less like blatantly show that that is my inspiration. Like I even have a rabbit character that is very much like Bugs Bunny, but he's a he's a jackalope because mm-hmm. like growing up, I was grew up in West Virginia, so uh, lots of rednecks around and everything. Like I consider myself a redneck, um, but I was always being told that these jackalopes. I'd always see these jackalopes on people's like garage walls mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm like, I've never seen one run. Right <laughs> like, Where are they at? Are you guys all have them on the wall? And so for the longest time, I was confused and thought that jackalopes were real. So it was cool to kind of bring that back into my story here. Yeah. So. It, it really comes full circle to all the things that I was inspired with growing up, and it just kind of, like, flows out of me now into what I want it to be. Are your characters based on people that you've known, or is it just kind of... They just kind of subconsciously yeah. come out, but then, like, after they're there, I'm like, yeah, that kind of yeah. reminds me of this person. Or like, yeah. That one reminds me of this one, and, like, I'll formulate, like, personalities in my head about what these characters are and everything, and uh, people will see it more and more once I get, like, episodes out and like comics and things they'll not just see these things as like masks or Mm -hmm. something they'll see like a full Mm -hmm. character with a backstory and and how they act and everything so uh it's interesting trying to get all that out there because like like i said in my head i see how all of my characters are i know how they interact and i keep forgetting that the rest of the world doesn't know that yeah (laughs) but that's i think that's great i mean i think that um to me the best creative worlds like the early days of star wars and some of these other things you have a sense that there's a whole world Mm -hmm. beyond what you're seeing Mm -hmm. just in that story Mm -hmm. like i'm a huge uh fan of the indiana jones movies Mm -hmm. and the reason i i still love that first one is you get the sense of that guy has had a whole life before the movie 
and he's making references to people and things, yeah. and his life will continue after that. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, the world just ends here. Or Guillermo del Toro and his stuff that he does. Yeah. You know, Pacific Rim and everything else. Mm-hmm. You always get a sense of, like, you could go... Watching his movies, you could go, I bet we could go down that hallway and have like four movies about that guy down the corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's so the captivating, the mm-hmm. depth of it. Whereas some shows and things, you start watching, you're like, oh, I, I, I've i seen everything this guy had, had a conversation is in that movie. Like, right. I don't, it's, it don't doesn't, really want to doesn't leave any imagination to the viewer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, when, like you're saying, once you add that imagination where you think that there is more beyond what you're seeing, then... I think that's what really captivates the viewer and makes them want to see more. Yeah. And in their head, they are seeing more. And it's very, it's a very cool uh, look, too, because it's very, and I mean, this is a compliment, it's very analog. Mm. You know, this is not CG and, and anime. You know, it's tactile stuff. You can feel, it, it does have, and I mean, again, it's, I mean, this is a compliment. It's got kind of that... Uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse kind mm-hmm. of vibe mm-hmm. to it. Like, oh, this is a physical thing. Or Michael Gondry films, like, right. made this thing and converted it. And did mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and that's that's the big big part of uh, Dead Next as well, is the, the physicality of it. Yeah. And, like, because, like, cartoons are two-dimensional things, but what happens when you make it three-dimensional and real and tangible that you can actually pick these things up, you can interact with these characters, but it still feels like you're watching a cartoon, and I, that's something that I haven't seen done before. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that maybe the closest thing that I've seen with that would be like uh, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit yeah. or like Cool World yeah. and like, uh, that show Dinosaurs mm-hmm. growing yeah. up like with all yeah. the animatronic suits and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, a big uh, cluster or mesh of uh, of all those things. And but I've never actually seen like what could be considered a live action cartoon. Yeah. Like with yeah. Rod- with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it's a it's a mesh of the real world and your two mm-hmm. D animation. Yeah. But whereas this is a a cluster of all of the special effects world. You got your animatronics, the puppets, the large scale sets, miniature models, makeups, everything. And uh, I think that's that's cool because I know it's going to keep me busy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also going to expand my uh, my skill set, getting mm-hmm. to do all of those things uh, and keep pushing this world. So it's really just so I can like continue to develop my skill set and and better that as well as like push this world and get it to where where I hopefully want it one day. Do you have a like an audience in mind? Are you trying to like? Are you trying to keep it the same tone of that? Like a lot of the shows you're talking about, on the surface they might be kind of kid family friendly, mm-hmm. but there was still some stuff in there that the adults were picking up. Right. I'm I'm kind of in between on what I want the humor to be. Uh, initially, I wanted it to be just like all out there, like blatant for like Adult Swim or something yeah. like that. Um, very. It is still going to be very disgusting. But then I also thought back to how much I loved the fact that Ren and Stimpy was a kid's show. Yeah, that's yeah. a good reference, yeah. too. Yeah. But it also had so many hidden things that you don't pick up on as a kid, and I appreciate the hell out of yeah. that. Because yeah. it's just so cool that, I don't know, you can you can have all audiences there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's being displayed for kids, yet adults are going to love it. Yeah. But also, like, the times that we're getting into now, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of sensitivity out there, so... I feel like I might need to either just be blatantly one thing or blatantly the other because if mm-hmm. I ride the line, there's going to be too much confusion and pure. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. well, we don't want kids watching this, so it's just going to not. It's going to get dropped off there. So I might just need to go the full Adult Swim route with it. It was always yeah. It was always fun with Red and Stimpy and like a lot of these shows you were talking about. You always felt like you're getting away with something by mm-hmm. watching yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Like it's <laughs> you know like they're having this stuff and like oh nobody picked up on that. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Rocco's Modern Life is another one. Yes. Like, to go back and watch that, it's just like, 
oh, whoa, mm-hmm. I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because people are always like, well, what kind of things do you like to watch? And like, I constantly have cartoons going mm-hmm. here. Like, I've got all the seasons of Ren and Stimpy. I've got some seasons of Rock is Modern Life, Aerial Monsters, like oh, yeah. all that stuff. And uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, I constantly have cartoons going. Like, I'll go to sleep at night and I'll just like, pop them in the PlayStation and just let it play. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I've constantly got inspiration from cartoons <laughs> going on here, so... Yeah, it's interesting. But I thought they were supposed to rot your brain. (laughs) They might be, slowly. (laughs) Are there any... I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, Who... Are there people now, FX artists, or who are you... They don't even necessarily need to be working now, but like, who are some of your go-to FX artists or FX pioneers that you find yourself looking to for inspiration? Um, I usually blank out a lot with this. I know... Right now in the industry, a lot of the people that I look up to that uh, really bust ass in the, the sculptural department is uh, like Mikey Rotella, oh, yeah? Norman Cabrera, um, let's see here, uh, Casey Love's always busting it out, uh, my buddy Josh Wazalink, he's he's always making crazy masks, I've got one of his in there, as well as Mikey Rotella and Casey Love. Um, yeah, and, and then Dylan Thomas. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. He, he worked at Scarehouse, too. Yeah. He's living in Columbus now. Mm-hmm. And he, every year, he just keeps putting out, like, crazier and crazier stuff. And, like, I can see how much better his stuff gets every year. And it's mm-hmm. just insane to look at. And it's so cool to see that me and him are both still going as yeah. strong mm-hmm. as we yeah. were whenever we lived together. Yeah. So it's always cool because we always pushed each other to get better and yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so cool to still see that relation going because like mm-hmm. sometimes we'll FaceTime each other while we're working in the shop and everything. So it's just kind of cool to get a go back and forth and, and still get to work with him even though I live here and he lives in Columbus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'd say Dylan's the one that I stay in contact with the most when it comes to like creating new stuff and things. So we, yeah. we tend to still try and push each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, rem- I rem- believe me, I remember the days at Scarehouse when you were both there because mm-hmm. I would just look across look across the actor area and like, what the flip are those? Do- oh, that's, that's Dylan. That's Jordan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those were those were good times. <laughs> what's the craziest thing you did when you were at Scarehouse, acting, building, otherwise? Um, like, what's that one thing in your mind you're like, I can't believe I did this? I remember hanging from the ceiling at one point. <laughs> um, you're the reason that clause is in the employee hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember it being a hallway, and I remember there being a, a really sturdy two-by-four that went across the center of it. Uh-huh. It top. wasn't that sturdy, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> it, it held my skinny ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember getting up onto that, because people would keep coming through there. I got up on it, and I put the board be- underneath my legs, and I held upside down. Yeah. And the people came through, and I was just like... <laughs> just like went back out the same yeah. door they came back in I was like wow that's a really good way to scare people because no one expects to walk into someone hanging upside down yeah. in front of their yeah. face but uh, yeah I, I don't think we were supposed to do that but I couldn't uh, couldn't help myself <laughs> they're always the actor that's I've, I've never said this on the podcast before that's always the most terrifying thing an actor can tell you is like I found a great scare in my room I'm like where yeah. what are you doing oh I'm hanging off this like that's snow fencing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not meant to hold your weight. I slammed this down. It was glued down. It's not yeah. supposed to be taken off. If it's glued down or screwed down, it stays where it's at. And then uh, line walking. Line walking was yeah. always interesting because yeah. you're interacting with people. You're not just like 
one good scare. Like you gotta show like some personality and like backstory to your to who you are to yeah. like interact with these people mm-hmm. and keep them entertained while they're waiting. And that was just always something different every night that I was doing that and it was just so cool to get to interact with the all these different people and everything and still scare people and like when you're when you're line walking like you can see the fear in mm-hmm. in the people's eyes like all right I know to pick you out I know to pick you out and you and then just come back through the line and just like show up out of nowhere and they just take off <laughs> yeah. the street yeah <laughs> it's 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 one of my favorite things to watch um when I'm standing out front because mm. yeah people who are very good at it, like like Jordan and well Bunny Bunny's not a human mm-hmm. being he's just the bunny but they, you can see they will exactly like they're like predators mm-hmm. you just target them <laughs> and then you just move on yeah and then you, like you guys all mentally store like alright I'm gonna come back and hit that one in like five minutes from now mm-hmm. I think one of my one of my favorite types of scares that I'm surprised I was able to to pull off like people believing was standing in the front room there there's that radiator down at the bottom of the stairs mm-hmm. yeah. I just like stood there it was the I think it was a Kurtzman, uh, the yes, pullover yes. Uh, foam latex mask. Whenever I was wearing that one, I would just like stand there, and I don't I don't remember if I had contacts in or what, but like I could stand there and like go without blinking for like several yeah. minutes, and I'd just stay still, and people would be like looking at me like, "Is he real?" No, no, he's not real. And whenever they didn't think I was real anymore, I would like kick back at that radiator and make a real loud noise and lunge forward at the same yeah. time, and it would just scare people yeah. so bad because they yeah. just thought I was like a statue yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. So I think that was one of the most satisfying types of scares because, like, they're literally looking into your eyes and you're just staring straight forward like, yeah, it's fake. And yeah. then you're just like, boom! Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely a satisfying one. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's 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 what we will have to do. It's hard. It can be hard to get Jordan out of his little empire here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's made, you know, he's down in the basement making weird stuff. You're like, hey, come on out and play. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I come out and do things. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make you interact with the real world too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it fun on Face Off? Um, when you're doing these, it's not your budget on the show. So it's oh, like yeah. you're not dealing with things that you're like, oh, if I screw this up, this isn't going to, this is not going to work. That's kind of a big part of the beautiful thing of Face Off is yeah. you're out there on someone else's dollar. Yeah. Like, and they want you to use and do whatever you have to do to make the coolest thing out there. So you don't feel bad about using the materials. You don't want to waste anything, obviously. But it's just a very freeing feeling to know, like, I have access to yeah. all of this. Oh, yeah. So it's just like it's like being in Willy Wonka's uh, yeah. chocolate factory. You're just like, all right, well, the possibilities are endless as long as I can get this done in an 18-hour time frame. Mm-hmm. So you're just like your mind just starts racing and like the time they say go you're just like grabbing everything you're like all right i need this 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 this. and it's like it's amazing how your mind will actually categorize things so quickly like that in a Mm -hmm. panicked situation because usually i blank out like it like even when you ask me a question sometimes like uh (laughs) yeah but like in that situation you're just like snap into it and you're just like go go and like the next thing you know that the day's over and you've got all this stuff that you did and you're like wow I was able to do like a week's worth of work yeah. in eight hours. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's, I've heard other effects artists talk about that. It's sort of like that. I think it's still on the, the home makeover shows Yeah. where they have like all the tools in the world and all the corporate sponsors and this giant team of contractors mm-hmm. like, yeah, we can fix a house in a week. Like, well, yeah, if you got all those resources, right. mm-hmm. sometimes I've heard other effects artists say, yeah, that show has this, you know, 
everything available and editing and all this stuff like mm-hmm. you still I, I, I would imagine that there are probably some people who might come to you and be like oh I want a mask and can you make it in two days and yeah. there's no realistic expectations no. that is a, a, a big thing that sucks is you that show does kind of give people very unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. as to how fast they can get their their things made for their movies and things like that yeah I but guess. I saw you do that. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watched a show. It was an hour long. And <laughs> <laughs> you wear a mask. Right. <laughs> well, and it's, I know, um, especially over the years, but I think this season too, there are some other people who have haunted house backgrounds mm-hmm. working there. So that's been kind of interesting too. Like sometimes on the outsides, it can feel like you're sort of, you know, Haunted houses competing almost against each other. Like, we're all in the same game, but I really hope we do better than that guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's interesting having, like, the, the haunt experience background because you, you know that you've got to get those things ready fast. Yeah. For your, you got to get all this stuff on your, uh, your actors and your models and everything in time for the doors to open. So having that background was definitely helpful as well when it came to, like, time management on the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> But that's something I always say about um, our designers and our makeup artists and our costumers, that they're able to portray something with so little information. Like you mm-hmm. can, like you could turn just a few items and you're suddenly in a specific room, mm-hmm. or you just know the certain characteristics that they need, that this character needs that'll sell that it's this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that you don't really see in other industries. Right. The ability to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There can't. There's not really. Especially in a haunted house, there's not really room for a lot of subtlety. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to see the thing quick, and it's going to make an impression, and then go away. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's one of the things I love most about the haunted houses is like you feel like you're kind of transported to another another yeah. world. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I remember, I was in Scarehouse. I think it was maybe two, maybe three years ago. It was at the end, it was the last haunt, I believe, but I just remember feeling like I was outside. Yeah. Like yeah. like all these trees and like the fog and everything. I remember passing by like, a, I think it was you guys' Krampus thing, like in a yeah. corner. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I legit feel like I'm outside right now. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is the coolest thing. Yeah. And that was my favorite part of that haunt because like you feel like you've been transported to this like other dimension. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. so cool. Yeah. I'm really happy with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That took us two days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it did not. <laughs> well, Jordan, where can everybody find you on when you, when you're doing things online and putting stuff um, out there? For the most part, I post everything up on my Instagram, so it's just Jordan underscore Patton FX, mm-hmm. um, or on my Facebook, just at Jordan Patton. Uh, usually, those two is where I post up majority of my work. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm always posting up daily on my story so mm-hmm. people can see what I'm working on constantly. Like mm-hmm. whenever I was building the set here, I was constantly like putting up pictures of the walls going mm-hmm. up and everything. So and I'm trying to, to do a lot more like uh, time lapses and things like that just nice. to kind of get hands on and let people see what goes into the process and everything. So yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, that would probably be the best way <laughs> to, uh, to stay in contact and see what all's going on in my world. Awesome. Anything else for Jordan? No. I know. We'll see you again for nine months. <laughs> Just like, and then I'll be in California again. Yeah. Just randomly. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. We really appreciate it. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks for coming out. This has been great. Oh, good. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you'll get all of our new podcasts instantly on your podcasting devices. And uh, thank you so much for listening and have a good day.